0: Welcome to the C3 Church Watson Podcast. Our vision is to connect you to Jesus, develop you as a follower of Christ, and empower you to build the church. We hope you are blessed by this week's message. We're doing a series called um, Tell Your Story, and Amanda launched us last week, and I'm doing week two this week. There's a couple of reasons why telling your story is really important. Telling your story um, fights against the depersonalization in our society. People love to make an argument with a nameless, faceless philosophy, and they love to tear it down, and when they're doing it, the, the philosophy that they're talking about might be something that you hold dear, so it feels like they're doing it to you, but they love to depersonalise things and go, nah, we're just talking about this thing, but we're doing it so violently that it's like you feel like you're attacked. The opposite of depersonalising is saying, well, I don't know about anybody else, but this is what happened to me. And this is what I know. And this is how I felt. It personalises it. If you want to avoid silly arguments about your Christian faith... Don't try and explain it to anybody. Don't try and preach to them. Just tell your story. It's personal. It's totally different. It gets heard differently. It gets received differently. It's got a personal touch. And if anything, this faith that we stand in is, has a personal touch. That's what it's all about. Jesus touched people. It's got a personal touch when you tell your story. Another reason it's really important to tell your story is because in Revelation, it says that the way that we overcome, the way we overcome the opposition, the way we overcome the enemy is by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. The word of our testimony is another fancy way of saying, tell your story. This is what happened to me. God did this for me. And that's how we overcome. So. Two very important reasons for telling your story. Today we're going to start by reading from the book of Mark in chapter 2 and starting at verse 14. And it says, As he walked along, he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus. Not Morpheus. Alphaeus. <clears throat> Sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, Jesus told him, and Levi got up and followed him. While Jesus was having dinner... Just like Amanda preached last week about going out of our way, Jesus is setting the example for us here. We have to go where they are. It's very hard to tell your story to someone when they're at Belcon and Mall and you're here. We have to go where they are, right? Jesus is doing nothing more profound than just going where they are. The people who most need to hear the message are not the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. He's like, yeah, you guys are fine. I need to find the people who really need to hear me telling the story. So he didn't sort of set up an office in the synagogue and go, all right, build it and they will come. And just sit behind his desk waiting for people to arrive and hear words from the great one. He went out there in the marketplace. He went out there where the people were, where the business people were, where the prostitutes were. He, he just got, and got out there and mixed it up with every and all kind of person. He went to places that religious people disapproved of. And here, in this story, while these people who disapprove of it are watching, he's just hanging out. Another translation says that they were reclining at the table, which is a pretty common way of eating at that time in the Middle East. You just sort of lay back a little bit on a bit of a couch thing on the floor, and that's how you eat. They were reclining at the table, there was food, there was wine, they were probably laughing, there was a bit of fun, there was conversation and there was connection, a personal touch, that's what was happening. The modern equivalent might be, um, oh, you've, my friends have asked me to, colleagues from work have asked me if you want to go out and play putt-putt golf after work on Friday and then we're going to go to the pub for a steak after that. That might be the modern equivalent. You're just together, being together, in a really normal way and connecting with each other and that's what Jesus is doing here religious people are not going to like that either what? why are you going to putt-putt golf? who are you going with? oh are you going with any other Christians? no huh. they're colleagues from work we all work together yeah right where are you going after that? we're going to the pub for a steak why are you going to the pub? they sell steak at restaurants why can't you go somewhere else for it where they don't have alcohol wow chill out dude That's what a religious spirit feels like and sounds like. That's what the Pharisees felt like and sounded like. Why would you eat with sinners and tax collectors? Anyone here work in the tax office? (laughs) Don't worry, we're cool here, we will eat with you. The religious person inside you won't like it either. If you ever budge an inch... The enemy would love to stir up a bit of a religious spirit inside of you, so that you get a bit tight. Maybe, no, you can't do that. You can't do that. You can't do that. He would love that. He'd be, oh, I feel like I've won a bit of a victory here because you know before you were totally gracious and open, and now you just you've got a little bit of tightness. I love that. I can play with that. I can tweak that every time you suggest going somewhere that religious people might disapprove of. You know. Here at C3, we're very much not religious, we're very much relationship, very much. So if you want a list of you know, constitutional rules of the church, you're probably in the wrong place. We don't have it, it doesn't exist. We believe that God's leading you in your heart and he knows all about your situation and he knows everything about your heart. Everything the Bible says is laid open and bare to him. But not to us. We wouldn't have a clue. We don't know what's going on for you. So it's open arms. It's the big hug. It's accept people as they are. God's working in your life. Cool. He's still working in mine after 40 years too. All good. We're all all good. That's more like the feel of C3 Church. We resist tight religious spirits. Probably going to have a tough time of it here, if that's you. That's okay. Change. It's all good. Just change. (coughs) Um, (laughs) Now, I'm having some fun. Um, Yeah. Christian means Christ follower. So if we're Christians we will follow this example because that's what Christian means so think about that for a second good Jesus example is resist the critics and just go do it anyway and be with the people who most need it who most need to hear the message just go there and be there go where they are get a little bit get you know roll your sleeves up get your hands a little bit dirty it's all good it's okay You're there to influence them. They're not there to influence you. You're bringing light. It's all good. God used this verse to guide me when I was moving into teaching. God sort of went, yep, it's all good. Everything you've done so far is great, but I want to take you out and I want to put you there. And his words to me were in the middle of the mess. I want to put you there in the middle of the mess. So it's not the healthy who need a doctor. Where am I most needed He said, I need you to bring all the grace of my kingdom and I need you to put it with the highest needs, most disengaged students. That's who I work with. That's my job. Perfect. I'm like a neat fit for that role and I'm doing a good job of it. But that's what God had in mind. He said, I need to put you there. Go where they are. Go where they are. Yeah. There might be places or situations that God's calling you to. And you might be going, oh, I'm not sure if I'm allowed to. Hey, if God's calling you to go there, go there. He loves the mess because he just starts chipping away at the edges and working around and cleaning it up. <laughs> hmm. um, remember, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. So, you know, if you, if you want to invite someone to our church Christmas party, it's probably going to be received totally differently if you've been building a relationship with that person for a long time, you genuinely care about them. You ask them how that appointment at the doctor went a couple of weeks ago because you haven't seen them lately, and you know what's happening in their life, and you are connected. When you say, hey, would you like to come to church with me as my guest because we're having a Christmas party, that's heard totally differently to if it's your neighbour and your kind of relative strangers. But out of the blue, you give them an invitation to the church Christmas party. Do you know what I mean? Oh, good. Excellent. You're kind of going... Okay, it's all good. I'm not sure if you know the story of Jonah from the Old Testament. God told Jonah to go where they are. He didn't say, hey, Jonah, send a text message to the king of Tarshish, and who knows? We'll just see what happens, see if he responds, see if he likes it, see if he puts a smiley face on it. And then he said, no, don't be silly. Text hasn't been invented. It's still going to be a couple of thousand years till that happens write a letter and get someone to hand deliver it to the king of Tarshish. No, no, no. God said, I want you to go with a personal touch and take my message and go where they are. That was the approach. Now, Jonah didn't particularly want to go because he, I know you, I know what you're going to do. I'm going to go there. I'm going to deliver this message. And then you're going to make a fool out of me because they're going to repent and then you're going to be all, okay, forget about the wrath because you're repenting, it'll be all forgiveness and everything will be happy days. That was Jonah's objection to going. I know you, you're gracious and stuff and that's exactly the kind of thing you're going to do because that's who you are and that's what you're like. And then that's exactly what happened. But Jonah was kind of annoyed about it. The religious spirit in Jonah wanted to see them suffer we don't get that we, we don't we don't we're not allowed to do that to be all judgmental and look down our noses at people who don't know christ we, we no 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 that's not how it works we're not allowed to do that you know we have absolutely no right to be superior in any way we got a free ticket in and then when we've been here for a while we start making particular standards that people have to meet before they can come in you know like you got in here for free dude grace by grace through faith that not of yourself it was a gift you got a gift of faith to do something by grace so you got nothing you had nothing you came in naked and bare and so does everybody else and it's all good cool yeah that's all going well um there's a story in john chapter 4 jesus is in judea And he wants to travel back to Galilee. And when I was reading the story, I got a little bit curious. And has anyone ever looked at the maps in the back of their Bible? Have you ever gone to the back of your Bible sometime to just like tuck something in there? And you go, what the heck are the maps for? What do I need maps for? Well, I used the maps this week. And I went, well, if I was in Judea and I was going to Galilee, do I really have to go through Samaria like Jesus did? Judea's down here. Galilee's up here, about 25 miles north, and the best way to get there is directly north, straight through Samaria. But most Jews would have absolutely refused to do that. They would have gone... around Samaria, so they didn't have to bump into one Samaritan along the way on their journey. Because they hated Samaritans and they didn't like talking to them, they didn't want anything to do with them. So... Another message for another time. But just think about Jesus telling the story about the good Samaritan to Jews. Anyway, for another message. But most would go around making it a 40-mile trip instead of a 25-mile trip. Is Mitch Braithwaite here? No. Joshua will know. Do you reckon you could walk 25 miles in a day? You could run it? 25 miles, not kilometers. Yep. Yep. You'd be tired, right? But you could do it in a day. Okay, so these guys walked everywhere, Jesus and his disciples. They didn't have cars. So if we're going somewhere, we're walking there. So I'd suggest that 40 miles is probably too long for one day. So that's the difference between making it a two-day trip and a one-day trip. You could leave at dawn, get there by dusk, break in the middle, stop for a drink and something to eat and then keep on going. So most Jews would go, too bad, it's a two-day trip. We'll just have to tough it out and make it work because we're not going through Samaria because I don't want to bump into any Samaritans. Jesus goes straight through Samaria, knowing full well that he's going to bump into Samaritans and loves it. He goes where they are. He knows all the history, all the hostility between these two people groups. But he knows something else. knows where they're going to stop at the halfway point for a drink is Jacob's well. Jacob's well predates all of this hostility and it is the common origin that can bring them together again. They have the same heritage. They have a common origin. Jesus knows the good news of his kingdom is for Jews, Samaritans, Greeks, gentiles romans crazy people prostitutes people who just can't seem to get their lives in order it's for everyone male female slave free everyone 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 jesus gets that right what's our So what got me thinking what's our common origin with someone we work with who doesn't know christ our next door neighbor who doesn't know christ we know Christ, they don't. What's our common origin with it? The common origin is whether they know it yet or not, God created them to be a child of God. That's what He had in mind, just like us. And God has no favorites. So He loves them just as much as He loves you. Another thing to think about He loves them the same and He wants the same outcome for them that, you, that you've already arrived at relationship with Him, connection with Him. So our common origin is we have the same Father. I know, sorry (laughs) that's our common origin and that's the well that we need to draw from when we're dealing with people who don't know Christ the well of mercy the well of grace the well of compassion most of all the well of reconciliation he has given us the spirit of reconciliation so we can work at bringing people back and reconciling them to him like we've already been reconciled to him cool, Jesus starts talking, he's at this well, knowing that it's Jacob's well, and he starts talking to a woman who arrives, she's lost, she's lonely, she's ashamed of her life, and she's going deliberately at the wrong time of day, that's why she's the only one there, because it's stinking hot, and nobody goes to the well at that time of the day, but she goes on purpose at that time, because she doesn't want to bump into anybody else, she's socially excluded, she's isolated from the community. So Jesus starts talking to this woman, and he starts his conversation is really interesting. He starts with practical, practical things, normal stuff. Hey, did you see the footy last weekend? That sort of thing. And then he goes up a notch, and he starts talking about the meaning of things, and then he goes up another notch. And right in the middle of just a conversational discussion, he prophesies into her life. I know stuff about you. I've never met you before, but I know. And she goes, "Wow, you must be a prophet." And then he. The final escalation is he says, I am the Messiah. She races back into town. Everybody else rushes out to see for themselves the man who told her everything she'd ever done. And the Bible records that the entire city put their faith in Jesus at that time and was saved. A whole city from one conversation. Mm. But it started, it starts with going where they are. Look for opportunity to respond. In any normal conversation, in the context of any normal friendship, there sort of comes a time where a window of opportunity is going to present itself. You know what I mean? Things come up. You're watching a movie together and someone says something about God and you're both watching it and you're friends and you watch the movie together and they go, ha, blah, blah, blah. And you go, "Uh uh-oh, here's a window of opportunity. We've been friends for 12 months. This is the first time that this topic has come up but it's a window, it's, it's time, it's an opportunity. You could do something about that. It's not your chance to, hang on, I'll just get my soapbox. It's time to give you a little lecture. It's time to give you a sermon. You have to preach. You just have to respond. The Bible tells us to be ready with a response. Get, get your response ready. Practice it, get ready. Because someone's going to ask you sometime, What's the? why are you so hopeful all the time? What's the reason behind that? And you go, I do have my response ready to go. It's only like two minutes and it's really conversational and normal, so it's all good. And out you go. Um, just like Amanda was saying last week, I've always found that an uh, an offer of prayer really works for most people. You say, hey, you've been going through some tough times, do you mind if I pray for you? I. It's been ages, it's been more than 10 years since I had a negative response, almost Every time people will go, oh, sure, thanks. You know, even if they don't believe in it, they'll go, oh, sure, you pray for me. Yeah, that would be nice, thanks. Uh, I've, got a, I've got a buddy at the gym and I see him at 5 a.m. every day and uh, he disappeared for a couple of months because his wife had a baby, their first baby, and when he got back, there was discussion about the baby and all of that and how things are going, how sleeping patterns, and you know, I know some stuff because my wife has been through the fire couple of babies but there was a window and I said hey our church does prayer meetings and at one prayer meeting while you were gone while I didn't see you for a while they said oh look if there's anybody you know in the community you want to you know they, they need some support or some help or whatever you want to pray for them now anybody who comes to mind and you came to mind so I you know hope you don't mind but I just said a prayer for you and your wife and your family and the delivery and hope everything goes smoothly and all that sort of stuff and he's like big, tough, gruff guy at the gym. He puts his weights down and goes, "Thanks, man. That's really nice." <laughs> I know. I wasn't expecting that, but yeah, we had a little moment. It's great. <laughs> and now I'm outed. Now further conversations can happen. So, a couple of days later, I see him at the gym. Next day, you know, no comment. We're both busy doing our routines. A couple of days later, I say, hey, are you thinking of, you know, getting your baby christened or or baptized or anything like that? This is basically I'm saying, have you got any kind of faith that you're connected to? Do you go to church anywhere? Do Do you have a family history of being in church? And he says, well, yeah, I'm Catholic and my wife's Catholic. And I said, well, that simplifies things, doesn't it? And he said, yeah, um, but we just can't decide whether to do it here or back at home, you know, in the country. So we're just sort of working that out. And I said, okay, cool. So we're talking more about stuff to do with faith, stuff to do with God. Now, I've got another follow-up conversation in mind where I go back to him again and say, does it really matter? Why why are you going to do that? You know, like what's what's the benefit for the baby? And we can talk more about that because that will really tease out whether whether he has a belief about it or if it's just tradition or and we can talk more. So follow-up conversation number one, number two coming up. But it all started from just, just thought you might like to know I prayed for you. Teacher colleague was unwell last week and uh, she messaged me, said we won't be able to do that thing, that meeting. I said, okay, no worries, you know, um, just rest. And then... A little while later I felt the Holy Spirit prompt me and I prayed for her and I texted her back and I said, I hope you don't mind, but I just said a prayer for you. Um, and she flashed me back a message immediately and said, well, it must have worked because I feel totally better. I went, well, well, that's great. <laughs> and now, I don't know what's going to happen next time we see each other, but who knows what's going to happen? More conversa- follow-up conversations. Who knows? I'm outed again. And it's just as easy as I prayed for you. Or well, would you mind if I pray for you? We don't have to, it doesn't have to be weird. We don't have to do it right here in the street or anything. But, you know, later at home, when I'm thinking of you, I'll, I'll pray for you. And they go, yeah, sure, I appreciate that. Or you can do it in the street. Why not? Jesus did. <laughs> it can be like a little litmus test too because, you know, sometimes when people are really open to it, one thing leads to another. And because you, talk, because you mentioned prayer, you find yourself discussing all their history and and where they currently sit with what they believe about God and you go wow we got all the way to here just based on that other times when people aren't so open you know you mention prayer and they go oh that's really nice man thanks you go cool and you just leave it at that you go never mind seed sown all good so it's like this little litmus test thing how open are you let's just find out I'll mention prayer in the conversation and see what happens Uh, My daughter Jemima and her friend Tom. I don't know if anyone's met Tom, but he usually sits right there in the front row because he came with us the first time ever and he sat in the front row because that's where we sit. So he's been sitting in the front row ever since, which is great. Don't you love that? There's always spare seats in the front row. (coughs) Um, Yeah, they're just having a chat. They've been going to school together. They're in one class together. Not all of them, just one. But they know each other a bit. They've been talking They're chatting about Mother's Day. Mother's Day's coming up. Mother's Day's on a Sunday. Uh, What, have you got plans for Mother's Day? And he says, no, my mum's out of town, so we don't have any plans. And she said, oh, I sense an opportunity here. Would you like to come to church with me? He says, yeah, I'd like that. She goes, oh, great, we'll pick you up. And then she comes home and says, Dad, we're picking someone up for church on Sunday. (laughs) I go, oh, great. He's got his peas now, so, you know, it's all better. He can get his own way here. But, you know, he's had an amazing journey just from that one invitation and he's rededicated his life to God and he's he's firing. He's just exploring everything and he's loving it. All right, so go where they are. Look for opportunity. And the last one is bring it up. The bold move. No opportunity. Just do it. Just launch out. Go for it. Yes, I know. It takes some boldness and courage. Um, there might be times when nothing's going on except small talk. There's, you, but you've been building relationship with this person, so you know each other, and there is no window of opportunity. But you just go. I feel like I feel the Holy Spirit, you know, urging me to do something, urging me to bring it up. You know, when you're giving advice to your teenage daughters about dating. No, I'm just going to step into a dad moment for a minute. Hope you don't mind. You go, oh, look, there's a lot of fun to be had along the way and there's cool experiences to be had and that sort of stuff. But there's also another purpose happening, right? The purpose is, I am trying to figure out if this person could be the one. That's the purpose of the dating. So it either goes one of two ways. Either, the more you find out about the person the more incompatible it seems that you are. The more you find out, the more you don't have common interests, the more, and eventually it stacks up and you reach a threshold point where you go, you know what, the deck's kinda stacked against you, so I'm gonna cut it off, because what's the point of going any further, right? Does that make sense to everybody? Right, or the more you find out about them, the more compatible you seem, the more, the more you find out, the more you hang out together, the more you share the same interests, the more you, share, you, you talk about everything together. You talk about your faith and everything's stacking up and you're going, we've reached a threshold point. So let's go. Pop the question, buddy. Let's do it. What's the hold up? You know what I mean? So you, so you either reach that threshold or you reach that threshold. This one leads to happy days, let's get married, let's build a family together, we'll see you in 25 years. This one leads to everything seems to, you know, finish pretty quickly. Uh, Sorting it out doesn't take that long if it's mm, not quite right, not a neat fit, wrong, 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 wrong. You get there pretty fast, right? And you get, uh, let's not waste each other's time, sorry it worked out this way. Friend zone. <clears throat> In your friendships with people who don't yet know Jesus the way you do, do you ever feel like you reach a threshold and it's time to just pop the question? I'm not talking about proposing to people who don't share your faith. Do not misquote me because I don't think that's the right thing to do. I'm talking about bring it up. Bring up your faith. Don't wait for an opportunity. Just go there. You go, what kind of questions could I ask you? Oh, thank you for that question. I'm really glad you asked me a question about the questions. I'll tell you some questions. Here's a proposed question. Have you ever thought about what happens after people die? Have you ever thought about that? Like it's just a wondering. It's not a, come on, let's have a fight about this. It's just sometimes I sit here and I wonder about that. Do you ever wonder about that? And people can go, no, nah, never think about it. You can go, oh. <laughs> okay, well, those potatoes have gone cold. All right, uh, never mind. Good. Sometimes I do. Maybe you should think about it. Just leave it at that. Here's another question. Um, did you go to a church when you were a kid or have you ever been to church? Because I go to church every week. Have You ever been to church? No, nah, never been. Huh. Interesting. Here's another question. What's your take on religious people? Are we all just a little bit nuts or, you know, is there actually something in it, do you reckon? I could come up with 50 of these and email them to you. It's all good. But, you know, you reach a threshold point in a relationship where you go, it's okay now, it's totally legitimate, you know I care about you, you know I've been there for you, you know I call you and check in when things are going on in your life. It's totally valid for me now to pop the question, even if there's no window of opportunity coming up. So, in summary, go where they are, look for opportunity, bring it up. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our church, find us online at c 3 churchwatsoncomau We hope to see you in church again this weekend.